Welcome back. It's Rebellion Dogs Radio, a 2020 look at addiction and recovery. Now with less dogma and more bite. This is episode 50. We're going to be talking about carrying the message outside of AA rooms, talking to the general public and talking to professionals about secular AA. Looking forward to doing that. Hope you'll participate in the conversation. It's 2020, a few dates to remember. The International Convention of Alcoholics Anonymous happens every five years. Last time was in Atlanta in 2015. 2020, we're in Detroit. There will be a secular AA hospitality suite. A lot of us are going to be gathering there. Uh, Hope you can make it. It's not too late to book your room and your registration for the 2020 International Convention of Secular AA, which will happen in Washington. It's the last weekend in October. It's just before the federal election. You might need a meeting. (laughs) So anyway, uh, join us in Washington for that last weekend in October. I think it's like October 30th to November 1st. Visit secularaa.net for more information on that. Warm wishes to you for 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. Happy One Day at a Time. Episode 50 of Rebellion Dogs Radio was created in the early days of the new decade, the third decade of the 2000s. It's 2020. We're going to reflect a wee bit on what has happened in the last 10 years and pontificate a bit on what the next decade might hold in store for us. Sea change is an English idiomatic expression which denotes a substantial change in perspective, especially one which affects a group or society at large on a particular issue. Secular AA has grown, but we are not well known. How can we bring our message out of the closet and into the mainstream? Maybe secular AA isn't a secret shame of recovery advocates, but we would likely fail a brand identification test if we surveyed caregivers who help alcoholics. I'm talking employee assistance program workers, correctional and law enforcement workers, treatment professionals, and other medical workers. Our obscurity isn't anyone's fault, But our lack of outreach, it won't correct itself without uh, a program of action. Can we look at the first 20 years of the millennium as the growth stage for secular AA groups? The 20-year growth has been remarkable as far as numbers of meeting times for AA atheists and agnostic groups goes. In the year 2000, there were under 50 secular AA meetings worldwide. At the end of the first decade, 2010, we doubled to about 100 meeting times for atheists and agnostics. And in the last decade, wow, according to secularaa.org, we free thinkers meet 524 times a week worldwide in secular AA meetings. This time on the calendar is a natural time for reflection. And fivefold growth over a decade is something to think about. 
There was no International Conference of Secular AA back in 2010, and as far as I know, no plans for one. There were limited books, blogs, and podcasts devoted to secular AA or secular 12-step recovery. The past decade has seen a proliferation of content from secular-minded 12-step members. The God Word, Agnostic and Atheist in AA, is one of the newest pamphlets available on the AA literature table. And the Grapevine's One Big Tent, Atheist and Agnostic Members Share Their Experience, Strength, and Hope, had the most pre-orders of any new Grapevine book in history. Many of us depend on secular recovery podcasts that didn't exist 10 years ago. There weren't many podcasts back in the year 2000. Uh, I remember them. They were all about podcasting. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. Not all secular 12-step literature is conference-approved. Many AAs are writing memoirs. They're writing collections of stories. Uh, The reading room page at rebelliondogspublishing.com has not everyone, but there are dozens of uh, godless recovery books Uh, literature written in many cases by AA members who don't believe in a sobriety-granting, prayer-answering higher power. In fact, the Rebellion Dogs website didn't exist in 2010 either. Beyond Belief, Agnostic Musings for 12-Step Life. It was being written, but it wouldn't be published until January 2013. Would I have done that if I'd known how long it would have taken? I don't know. I don't mean to single out Beyond Belief because it's one of many books that have altered uh, the 12-step world, I think, for the better. There was no way to know at the time that these remarkable books would mean so much to so many. At this new decade time of reflection, I'm definitely humbled by the reaction to Beyond Belief. We crossed the 16,000 copies mark. This volume of sales is no game-changer in the publishing world. AA's own Daily Reflection sells 150,000 copies every year. Other daily devotionals outsell AA's best. If I wanted to sell more books, I guess I would have written a Daily Reflection book for the theistically inclined. That market is bigger, hungrier, and spends their way to spirituality. But I wrote a book that I wanted, a book I needed, but could not find in the marketplace. I wrote a book because there seemed to be an unmet need, although I had no idea for how many. I didn't know if it would appeal to a dozen or thousands. That wasn't the point. I didn't know 16,000 people still don't, but you do. The book succeeds because... People who love the book recommend the book to people they love. Thanks to booksellers and book lovers, because I know you're sharing your enthusiasm. This isn't what I wanted to blog about today, but at this time of reflection, I just want to say thanks. And here's uh, one letter I got this week. Uh, No name, no city. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I want to say, no last name anyway, But I want to say thanks to Pat H. uh, and all of you. I love introducing loved ones to books and new music. I do it all the time. 
you've made it clear that I'm not alone. Here's what uh, Pat had to say. Dear Joe C., Today I read the daily reading from Beyond Belief, knowing that tomorrow I will start at the beginning for the fifth time. The book is a bit grubby now, but still so important to my recovery. I go to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting in Anonymous Town, England, and have got at least three more people in my group reading Beyond Belief. All of us appreciate it very much. So, a great big thank you for this most important and helpful resource. I wish you well in 2020. It is a good work you and your team do there at Rebellion Dogs. Thank you. With all good wishes, Pat H. Well, good wishes to you too, Pat, and uh, thanks to everyone who shares what they read, and also the many of you who share what you write. I'm a reader before I'm a writer, and I'm inspired by so many of you. That concludes this radio episode's Look in the Rearview Mirror. Let's talk about what might be next for Secular AA and the larger addiction recovery community. Not everyone is a reader, and that's where AA meetings come in. Secular AA meetings offer that human connection that AA is infamous for. Secular AA bypasses one of the classic objections to AA, but isn't AA religious. Living Sober says, There is no prescribed AA right way or wrong way. Each of us uses what is best for ourselves. Without closing the door to other kinds of help which we may find valuable at another time. And each of us tries to respect others' right to do things differently. That, when it was written, was 30 years of AA's collective experience and wisdom. This remains true in AA. I see examples all the time of different AA pathways that work. We all do. Let's talk about the value of secular AA gatherings and how we can transform from being the best-kept secret in recovery to a commonly known in recovery. We aren't starting at zero. Some healthcare professionals already include agnostic atheist AA groups, along with other special purpose AA groups, as a tool in what Joe Nowinski calls developing an individualized health plan. Dr. Nowinski writes in his handbook, 12-Step Facilitation, a therapeutic approach to treatment and recovery, which was revised in 2017, under diversity and democracy, he says, anyone wishing to implement 12-step facilitation should be aware of the great diversity that exists within the 12-step culture, as this awareness can add to the effectiveness of the program. Today, it is easy, especially in urban centers, to find fellowship groups specifically for women, for men, for the LGBTQ community, for young people, for older people, for clergy, for agnostics and atheists, for nurses or doctors, and so on. There are also 12-step groups for any number of cultural and ethnic groups. Looking at the official literature of 12-step fellowships, it reveals a theme common to addiction and recovery 
but meetings themselves are run differently and very greatly. This is one reason why newcomers to 12-step fellowships are encouraged to try out a number of meetings to explore and find one or more groups which they feel most comfortable in. Uh, other scholarly findings of note, this is from the Journal of Studies on Alcohol from 2002. Some atheists and agnostic clients reported AA-related benefit. There are multiple pathways for behavioral change in AA, not all of which rely on spiritual beliefs and practices. William White and Ernie Kurtz said, AA is so decentralized that in a very real sense, there is really no such single entity as Alcoholics Anonymous, only AA members and local AA groups that reflect a broad and ever-increasing variety of AA experience. The number of registered secular AA meetings in the U.S. has grown from a few dozen in the early 2000s to more than 400, and two international conventions of atheists and agnostics have been held to date. So that would have been sometime after the Austin Convention in 2016 and before the Toronto Convention in 2018. This decade, NADAC, the National Association of Addiction Professionals, they, we, amended the Code of Ethics, uh, reflecting the duty to accommodate a more diverse clientele. Here's a sample of the NADAC Code of Ethics language. Principle 4 is called Working in a Culturally Diverse World. Addiction professionals shall be knowledgeable and aware of cultural, individual, societal, and role differences among the clients they serve. Providers shall offer services and demonstrate appropriate respect for the fundamental rights, dignity, and worth of all clients. So the message, a responsive AA that speaks a contemporary language that we believe will better resonate with today's newcomer to recovery, this message won't fall on deaf ears. Professionals who come in contact with Persons with alcohol and other addictions are looking for more arrows in their quiver to individualize service and meet changing client-patient needs. The punchline is we should spend more time talking to these people. It's a good time for members of a secular AA community and professionals to chat can the helping professionals find us? How easy are we to find? Is the time and location of your secular AA meeting or mine known to all professionals in our neighborhoods? What would a doctor or psychiatrist or a treatment therapist do to find where to refer someone to your meeting or mine if they didn't know any of us? AA is a household name. But in the outreach I do, it's news to many that meetings are available that cater to potential members that prefer an irreligious meeting format. You and I know that today, while there isn't a secular AA meeting within 30-minute drives of everyone, not yet anyway, 
Most urban centers have one or more secular AA meetings, and new meetings continue to get started. Online meetings are growing in popularity too, and they're filling the gaps where geography is still an issue, or other gaps like being housebound for one reason or another. In the first two decades, we've gone from less than 50 to over 500 meeting times. Maybe the next decade, the 2020s, will be looked back at as the getting the word out era. You and I have a role to play in our local community. Small efforts can lead to substantial results. I chair an outreach committee as part of my duties on the Secular AA Board, which stewards our biennial International Conference of Secular AA. We've got some other duties and AA service we do between international conference dates. Not all the outreach committee, the committee I chair, they're not all board members. In fact, none of them are. Anyone can join our committee, our outreach committee. If you'd like to be the local outreach contact in your area, or if you'd like to work behind the scenes, not everyone that helps in outreach has to be a public face of AA. Maybe you're aligned with a professional organization. Uh, some of our committee currently work in healthcare or the legal system. Right now, we're uh, working on a few initiatives in both healthcare and criminal justice. We're working on literature and guides for local and national efforts. So if you know anything about computers, printing, if you're a member of any professional association, if you just want to help, uh, let us know. Like the larger AA service structure, we're not top-down. You can do your own thing independently. You don't need our permission or anybody else's. But if there's anything we can do to help, outreach at secularaa.net is a good way to start a conversation. So getting involved in this committee is one way to get proactive. We have no geographic boundaries. The committee members currently are Canadian and U.S. members, but that's just who's stepped forward so far. If you hate committee meetings, I understand. Uh, here's a, a list of things you can do uh, on your own or personally, an incomplete list. These are things you can do by yourself or have a discussion with your secular AA groups business meeting about, you know, things maybe you can be doing in your own community. Number one, be more active in your existing general service structure by volunteering and putting on meetings in hospitals and institutions or joining your local public information or cooperation with the professional community or treatment committees. All of those committees need volunteers. If you have a pulse, you're in. <laughs> uh, number two, plan a special open house meeting at your group and call it Invite a Professional Night or Afternoon. If members are comfortable discreetly disclosing their own membership in AA with their family doctor or treatment counselor or lawyer, once a year your group could put on an open house meeting with a speaker or two and an abridged meeting format that includes some short description of what AA is and how we operate, how secular AA fits within AA as a whole. Number three, your group can create its own business card, postcard, or trifold as a handout. If you're comfortable 
have a contact name or email for anyone wishing to refer patients or clients to your home group. Four, attend a community health fair. Speak with the people in the various booths. After you've been to your first local health fair, you may discuss the idea with your group of having your own booth at the next health fair. If AA is already there, volunteer your group members to do shifts in the AA booth so you can answer questions about AA as a whole, of course, but especially any questions they might have about atheists and agnostic uh, concerns in Alcoholics Anonymous. Number five, your group can create a web page, a social media page, or a blog to help potential members find you, along with those who refer potential members to meetings. If you already have a website, consider a For Professionals page on the website with specific information for Uh, doctors, treatment professionals, people in the criminal justice system. Six, speak to your meeting landlord. Are you in a community center, a school, a Unitarian Universalist congregation? Uh, Maybe they would welcome a poster or notice in their next newsletter or have a couple of you come to speak at some engagement or event they're running about alcoholism and secular AA. Write a blog or a newspaper article. I guess that would be number seven about secular AA. Number eight, ask a local treatment center if they would like your group to host a service meeting for their clients. That's a good way to introduce people in treatment to Uh, secular AA. Number nine, your home group or mine could design, fund, and run a Google or Facebook ad informing interested parties of where and when our groups meet. Yeah, AA's always done this. We've been in telephone directories. Anyone remember them? AA runs small ads in personal sections of local newspapers. Anyone remember a newspaper? Sometimes those are um, public service announcements and sometimes they're paid ads. Such a public information effort is still attraction rather than promotion. Here's some guidelines from our general service office where PI is concerned. This is out of There's a handbook. It's called the Public Information Handbook. It addresses why and how. We carry the message by getting in touch with and responding to the media, schools, industry, and other organizations. We report on the nature and purpose of AA and what it can do for alcoholics. This workbook will guide you through the public information process. The pages that follow suggest ways individuals can organize and perform PI work, as well as activities that have been successful for local PI, public information committees. Those undertaking PI work for the first time, whether it be at the area, district group, or intergroup central office level, are encouraged to read and take guidance from the information contained in this booklet. It's suggested that members taking part in PI work should have 
several years of continuous sobriety. That, of course, is just a suggestion. The first public information committee in AA was formed by the General Service Board in 1956. At that time, the following statement of AA's movement-wide public information policy was written and approved by the General Service Conference. In all public relations, AA's sole objective is to help the still-suffering alcoholic, always mindful of the important and personal anonymity we believe this can be done by making known to him, again, this was 1956, and to those who may be interested in his problems, our own experience as individuals and as a fellowship in learning to live without alcohol. We believe that our experience should be made available freely to all who express sincere interest. We believe further that all efforts in the field should always reflect our gratitude for the gift of sobriety and our awareness that uh, many outside AA are equally concerned with the serious problem of alcoholism. Okay, so that's a little dry, but that was like 1956, right? We can write our own. As our co-founder Bill W. wrote, Public information takes many forms. The simple sign outside a meeting place that says, AA meeting tonight, listing in local phone directories, distribution of AA literature, radio and TV shows using sophisticated media techniques, whatever the form, it comes down to one drunk carrying the message to another drunk whether through personal contact or through the use of third parties and the media, the needs and experience of people in your own area, large or small, urban or rural, will affect what you decide to do. The suggestions in this workbook are just that, suggestions to spark your thinking on how best to work and carry the message. PI's been around longer than cooperation with the professional community, CPC, which was an offshoot of PI starting in 1970. The CPC manual, it goes on to say, AA has always valued friends in the professional fields. These associations have been mutually beneficial and completely in keeping with the AA traditions. As a practical matter, check these manuals for guidelines about traditions, you know, anonymity, attraction, not promotion, that kind of thing. They suggest goals for you and our cooperation with the professional committees. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Most of what AA as a whole has learned over the years can be applied to our efforts. We are like any AA special purpose groups. There's a role for women's meetings, outreaching to women's shelters or treatment centers, young people's groups. They might be best suited to outreach with teen or youth social services, LGBTQ plus positive groups. These members speak as peers, talking about AA in the queer community and the AA role in the addiction and recovery world. For the same reason, who better to talk about a secular approach to AA than atheists and agnostics? The pamphlet, Speaking at a Non-AA Meeting, 
is also a really worthwhile guide. What a group of nursing or psychiatry students need or want to know about AA is different than the details you might go into with a newcomer to AA. In part, speaking at a non-AA meeting goes on to say, one question frequently asked is, should I tell my story? Those who have had experience in speaking to non-alcoholic audiences have learned that the average person wants to know what Alcoholics Anonymous is, what it does, and what he or she can do to cooperate, rather than to hear a personal history type of talk that a member might give at an AA meeting. On the other hand, experienced speakers have found that it's helpful to relate incidents from their own drinking history to illustrate a point, citing the progressive nature of alcoholism or summarizing your case history, can, it can lend to conviction uh, for the rest of your talk. Starting on page 15 of this pamphlet, which I recommend you read, <laughs> you will find a list of questions that are usually asked by non-AA audiences. They are based on the results of a survey made by your general service office among groups and individuals in different parts of the United States and other countries, the number of questions you cover will depend on the speaking time, whether there will be Q&A before or after your talk. The topics that you will select for discussion may also depend to some degree on the particular audience you are addressing. My own personal story, I first started talking about AA in high schools in 1977, along with a more experienced AA member. I was a teenager. Uh, the other member would explain what AA was and wasn't, about anonymity, how we cooperate with professionals, how AA isn't medical intervention, how we find meetings, how open meetings are run and closed meetings, our relationship with Al-Anon and Al-Ateen, because many times in high schools we're talking to children of alcoholics also. When I spoke, I would share what it was like, how I came to AA, and what life was like now or then. There's no right or wrong way to give a public information or CPC talk. We learn as we go. I've seen a few things over the years that I feel left room for improvement. It's kind of like what has been said before. Some people, you know, they're talking to high schools, police academies, medical students, and the speaker goes on in detail about their own step work, about AA being spiritual, not religious, and personal details that would interest a prospective AA member, but they're not talking to prospective AA members. They're talking to people who might refer others to AA. And these people, they want to know something else. So professionals aren't overly enamored with Bill W. sayings. They don't care what he said in 1935 or what he said in 1965. AA members are interested in that. They're interested in personal journey stories. Professionals want to know how to find out about AA, where the meetings are, demographics in a meeting, styles and formats of meeting. Another great pamphlet, the AA Membership Survey, is specifically designed by the PI Committee, the PI Trustees Committee 
uh, creates that panel to answer the kind of questions the public wants to know. Referring to it as a guide for outreach can be very, very helpful. I remember a great uh, songwriting teacher who had years of musical production and been in many bands. He uh, produced one of my, as a child, one of my very favorite albums. But um, he had this saying, he talked about his father who taught him about fishing, and he said, uh, if you want to catch fish, think like the fish. What he meant by that is as a fisherman, you might like a certain part of the lake. You might like being on the water at a certain time of day. You might have a favorite lure. You might prefer one bait over another. But for best results, pick the location, time, lure, and bait that the fish prefer. The message to songwriters was to not write the music and lyrics that meet your own needs. Write what the listener on the other end of the radio wants to hear. If you think listeners want to hear how you feel, maybe some do, but for hit songs, you better show listeners that you know how they feel. The lesson from songwriting applies to AA outreach. Know your audience and gear your communications accordingly. What they need to know will be different from what you or I want to hear when we go to an AA meeting. Okay, now doing outreach work specifically about secular AA, I would explain briefly about special purpose meetings in general, how long AA for atheists and agnostic groups have been around, how some of our members attend other AA meetings or participate in other mutual aid groups or therapeutic care. Well, some of us find everything we need in our atheist agnostic home group or secular literature, or our secular AA um, roundups or conferences. We can create our own flyers, pamphlets, or postcards, or websites. A lot of existing AA outreach material is pretty secular already. The pamphlet AA as a resource for the healthcare professional won't make claims like Real alcoholics can't recover from alcoholism without a conscious contact with God. What the pamphlet does say is, but no belief in God is necessary. Atheists and agnostics find plenty of company in Alcoholics Anonymous. So what I'm saying is have a look at what's already available, and if you need to or prefer to, create your own handouts or internet messaging. Uh, one thing that you may or may not be aware of, uh, when I found this, I thought it was great. It's called About AA, and it is a general service newsletter for professionals. You can go and subscribe to it, and you'll get every new one, and you can send it to your own doctor or treatment center that you went to or whatever you like. In a recent issue, a summer of 2019, we hear from Nancy McCarthy, one of our non-alcoholic trustees, her expertise is as a corrections professional who's worked in the criminal justice system within the greater St. Louis area, and she's worked at Florida State University on new models for individuals coming in and out of prisons. So here's part of what that newsletter said. Nancy highlights a recent article titled Public Intoxication sobering centers as an alternative to incarceration, Houston, 
2010 to 2017. In the American Journal of Public Health, in which the authors conclude the following, misuse of substance has a significant impact on public health, directly contributing to crime, health issues, and lost productivity. Starting in 2000, several cities in California, Texas, and elsewhere established sobering centers as a form of public health initiative. This past spring, the uh, newsletter goes on to say, also talks about Leslie Backus, another non-alcoholic Class A trustee, a health and treatment provider and CEO of a rehab facility located in Savannah, Georgia. She attended the American Society of Addiction Medicine gathering in Orlando, Florida. Over 2,300 people attended, uh, participating in the conference. Over 200 visitors stopped at the AA booth asking questions and collecting uh, information about AA. She said it was a great opportunity to assist local AA committees and meet and communicate with professionals. Personally, I always find something new in these newsletters. And uh, just as two alcoholics talking together can relate best, professionals hearing about AA from other professionals bridges the knowledge gap uh, very effectively. Previous about AA newsletters focused on AA for older alcoholics, the armed forces, common misconceptions about AA. From spring 2017, here's a segment. Medication-assisted therapy is big in the treatment community, and there is a misconception that AA is somehow against medication. This is not true. AA as such has no opinion on what medication is appropriate for an individual. While it is true that some people may substitute addictions pills for alcohol, let's say, many AA members truly need medication, and Alcoholics Anonymous does not offer medical advice. This is spelled out in the pamphlet, The AA Member, Medications, and Other Drugs, which clearly shares our experience on both situations. Clear reality that some AA members need prescribed medications. It also suggests that it is the responsibility of our members to be honest with their doctors about their alcoholism and how medications affect them, and that all medical advice should come from a qualified health professional. Now, the article goes on to say, I've shown this pamphlet to treatment professionals who seem surprised to see it. They have said, oh, this must be a brand new pamphlet. But no, it's been around since 1984. It was updated most recently in 2011. I would say if there was ever a time to be talking to professionals about secular AA, that time is now. <laughs> and I say this because what are these professionals hearing about in the news and seeing? Here's three things in the news recently. Pew Research. The share of nuns, the religiously unaffiliated adults who describe their religion as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, has reached 26% in America, up from 17% a decade ago. From the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, 
Atheist nurse wins fight to end mandatory 12-step addiction treatment for health staff in Vancouver. From the Legal Professional blog, Treatment obligation violates religious rights. James Linden raises the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution in his objection to the condition that he re-engage with the Ohio Lawyers Assistance Program. Linden stated that he is an atheist and that OLAP programs are substantially based on Alcoholics Anonymous and similar programs that have a religious aspect to them. He notes that AA's 12-step program include prayers and recitation from the Bible. So in our outreach efforts, we may wish to avoid engaging or appearing to be engaging in these, uh, could you call them salacious public controversies? But with these type of stories in the news already, there's no better time to communicate the role of secular AA and how we fit into AA as a whole. There are more options than ever before for an irreligious approach to recovery. AA would neither endorse nor oppose or have any opinion on Life Ring, Smart, Women for Sobriety, nor any other secular approaches. We aren't in competition for a limited supply of alcoholics. What we AAs have going for us that is that AA is ubiquitous. We'd be hard-pressed to find someone who's never heard of AA. Now, the added knowledge that AA without a prayer is available, that ought to be well-received by caregivers in 2020. Professionals will already have come across studies and data endorsing AA as improving outcome rates. What we can add is that secular AA offers all the benefits of AA without fear that their clients or patients are going to be influenced to embrace prayer or any particular theological philosophy. We have some great literature right now that can help carry the message in your outreach. This is from Sheila's story in The God Word. I came into the fellowship seven years ago as a self-proclaimed atheist. I get what I need from the members of the fellowship and the tools of the 12-step program. I can give this healing process a chance. This is from Do You Think You're Different? Jan, an agnostic alcoholic. In step two, the power greater than ourselves meant AA. But not just the members I knew, it meant all of us everywhere sharing a concern for one another and thereby creating a spiritual recovery stronger than any one of us could provide. This is Alex M. from October 2016, Grapevine. I don't need God to have a higher purpose in my life and to practice the principles of the steps. I simply need to believe that with help from the fellowship and my own inner resources, I can change my own attitude and actions and continue to enjoy the enormous benefit that change has brought into my life. So... If your New Year's includes room for a resolution, and that resolution might include getting more active in AA-related service, 
uh, maybe you'll consider uh, spending some time and energy in talking about secular AA in your community. In the last year, uh, what have I done? I've been the guest on several different podcasts. I've been referred to a journalist for the Canadian Atheist Magazine. I spoke at a United Church congregation uh, run by an atheist minister. I volunteer at a treatment center. I talked to the director of the Physician's Assistance Program in Ontario. They were interested in secular AA for all of their doctors, frontline workers, nurses, everyone. I attended the Recovery Capital Conference, both in Vancouver and Toronto, and I've started a draft for a secular AA outreach handbook. Eventually, I'll attach it to this sort of episode page, but ask me about it if you haven't seen it. I'll be happy to show you in the draft form, if that's all I got. So anyway, I got active in outreach, and once I got going, other people referred me to other people. Opportunities presented themselves that I didn't expect. I like service work in mainstream AA also. I find service work is way less religious than sitting in a big book meeting is. People from the most traditional groups who say the most religious things are just everyday people talking in plain language when it comes to talking about treatment centers, talking about corrections, talking about cooperation with the professional community. There's so much more I'd like to do. Our group, my home group, meets at the University of Toronto. They teach doctors, psychologists, and teachers. We should really have an annual information day for students and faculty. Not everyone who loves AA will be happy or comfortable doing outreach. Just coming to meetings, coming on time, welcoming newcomers, that is important work. Some people are hyper-cautious about being seen in public, talking as an addict. Stigma is real, hasn't gone away yet, and some of us stay behind the scenes. There are both front of stage and back room roles for outreach work in AA. So think about it, talk about it. Uh, talk about it at your business meeting. Let's see what we can do to help the still-suffering alcoholic deploying the tools and opportunities available in this, the year 2020. Join the conversation. If you're already making headway in the outreach you're doing, please share it. It would be wonderful to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please get in touch. You can reach me at outreach at secularaa.net or news at rebelliondogspublishing.com. Class dismissed. <laughs> Thanks for being part of Rebellion Dogs Radio. We're going out with a song. This is a song by Jeremy Voltz called One Day at a Time. Yes, it has to do with a friend who is suffering from addiction and mental health problems. There are days when living seems harder than it should When it's hard to see the good in what has happened 
And on those days I tell myself that nothing lasts forever That pain will come and go, but I'll be standing Don't let the darkness take you Cast you down and break you You're stronger than you think you are You are strong enough to live this life Just take it one day You may dream of taking exactly what you want Of handily confronting all your problems But problems never break themselves in easy little pieces They hang just like a cloud that keeps on raining And I wish that I could tell you Or shake you and compel you To walk out in the rain and say That I am strong enough to live this life Just take it one day at a time It won't be easy And you wonder how you made it this far But you did You did it One day at a time Oh, you did One day At a time This is Jeremy Voltz And you're listening to Rebellion Dogs Radio